What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you are following us over there. We are updating our draft guide daily, and that is where you get all of the new updates. It's tons of new articles. Today, I updated the rankings and projections that I have on the site, added in my top 30 relief pitchers. I'm always tinkering with things here and there, uh, particularly with starting pitchers. I'm always messing around with certain things. Also, uh, make sure you guys are subscribing, getting yourself a fantasy pass over at sportsethos.com, and you will be able to see all of the great content we have. We have tons of dynasty articles. We have strategy pieces, sleepers and busts, and we are just continuing to release stuff every single day. We also released today, uh, Anthony Cates dropped a mock draft review. He did a dynasty mock draft with the guys over at CBS. He was invited over there uh, by Scott White, and he wrote up his team from that draft, one of the newest features in the draft guide. And one other thing that I will announce here on the show, I know it's a great time to be announcing a new feature on the Friday show, but we have a draft tracker that we are going to be dropping early next week. Tuesday or Wednesday is when it will be available to our subscribers You essentially keep track of your draft, you load up the players that are being drafted, and it will help you to identify where you may be weak in particular categories. The beauty is it's going to be powered by the ATC projections. We have, you guys know, I reference them all the time if you listen to the show here. Ariel Cohen, this is an aggregate that he puts together of all the different various uh, major public projection systems, steamers, zips, the bat, the bat X, and all the different systems. And that is what will be powering our projections. You'll also have the ability to use mine. You can use Ariel's. You'll have the choice uh, between the two of them. It's very exciting stuff that will also be available to our subscribers. So once again, uh, you get all of this for six bucks, guys. It's it's a really incredible offer. I don't know how it's so cheap. We're, We're pretty much giving it away. All of the articles, all of the tools that we have, the rankings, the projections, um, there's just so much stuff that you get for such a very low price. So I, I, I know I've been talking about it a lot recently, but it's because I am very excited about it. So make sure you guys are checking us out over there at sportsethos.com. Now today we are going to talk about a few different things. We are going to be going through some of the notes that I've made over the last couple of days, uh, in spring training games. There have been, uh, some really important things that I think are worth noting. Yesterday we took a pause. We did a mock draft 12 teamer. Uh, if you want to follow along, the actual board is on our YouTube. We did, I did it on YouTube as well, and uh, you guys may have listened along to the audio side, which is great, but if you want to follow along with the picks, uh, the YouTube has all of that. But today we're going to get back into the notes uh, from today's games and from yesterday's as well, and I'm also going to be doing something that I've done periodically over the last couple of years. We're going to be looking at the 10 most added players today in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. We're going to do this from time to time on the show. It's going to be something that we do a lot in season. In the lead up to the season, I'll do it probably a couple times a week. Uh, It's not something that we need to focus on so, so much right now, but I just wanted to kind of see right now who people are generally adding in these early leagues, people who have already drafted for the season, perhaps keeper leagues, whoever, um, players who are hot pickups right now. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. Right now, we're going to start off with some of yesterday's notes uh, from Thursday, and we're going to start off with Logan Webb. Uh, He had some kind of shaky results, but looked pretty good below the surface. Uh, Three innings pitched. He allowed three hits, one earned run. He struck out two. He did not walk a batter, and he had a 28% CSW. 
Uh, he gave up some hard contact to the D-backs, and it wasn't a full-blown D-backs lineup. We weren't seeing Corbin Carroll in there. It wasn't like a regular starting lineup. Um, his spin rates and velo were about the same as 2023. So there's no real need to be concerned. Uh, my view doesn't really change in him one way or another. It's not an ideal outing, but it's not something we really need to worry about either. Uh, he's still somebody that I think is going to be, I mean, based on my projections, I think he'll lead the National League in innings pitched. And most projection systems have him in the top two or top three. Uh, I have him at 195 innings. He's just so durable. He's such a workhorse. I don't really have any need uh, to be worried about him after today. Let's talk about Zach Eflin. Uh, it was a bad day, really bad day. You guys know if you listen regularly that I am a big Eflin guy. I have a ton of shares. I've drafted him all over the place this year. It was a bad start. It's not what I want to see. I'll be honest with you. An inning in two-thirds, he allowed four hits, four earned runs. He did strike out three, and he also walked a batter. This kind of falls in the same category for me as Pablo Lopez and George Kirby over the past few days. Guys who are studs who just had rocky uh, starts to their spring, and there's nothing that we really need to be that concerned about in the long term. If it keeps happening, if we see this over and over again, if Eflin gives up four earned runs, three earned runs in every single spring outing, if he doesn't have command, then we start to get a little bit concerned. Right now, it's a rocky outing, but it's not anything uh, that I'm going to be too, too worried about. Let's talk about James Wood. James Wood is a really popular name right now. He leads everybody in spring training home runs, or he is tied for the lead as of the time of recording this. Um, as of yesterday, through his 14 at-bats, he had seven hits, three homers. He'd scored five times and also driven in five runs. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if they leave him off of the opening day roster. There's a chance that maybe they don't, but he is worth a stash at this point. Um, you know, especially if you are playing in Yahoo leagues, and I know that my home league is on Yahoo and there is a minor league spot. It's called NA on Yahoo. Different sites may call it different things. You can stash minor league players. If you have a spot or two available, I think Wood does make a lot of sense, especially right now. If you have already drafted your team and you can put him there right now, it's not going to hurt you, right? I mean, he doesn't make the team. Okay. I think he's right at the top of the, the heap there in terms of guys that could surprise us that we were maybe a little bit more excited about last year than we are this year. Um, I just don't hear as many people, or I didn't hear as many people before he got pretty hot in spring talking about him um, as much as he's getting talked about right now. And of course, you know, I, I did say um, a few times over the course of the last few weeks, temper your expectations over a couple of spring training home runs here and there. It's whatever, but He's looked really, really, really good. He has hits in every single game. We're seeing him smoke the ball, massive exit velocities. I mean, uh, the ball he hit yesterday um, was 111.6 miles an hour. Off the bat, it went 411 feet. You see things like that, you're thinking, okay, he he can perform at the major league level. And Washington is not exactly a team flush with talent that, like, he shouldn't be making. Like, they should just be trying to develop a guy like Wood. Whether that comes at the major league level this year, I think it does. Sooner rather than later is the, what I'm expecting. The, that's still kind of up in the air, but I do think that he does warrant a stash, uh, especially if you have a minor league spot. If you're putting him on your bench, it's a little bit iffier, especially in shallow leagues. But if you're talking about like a 15-team league specifically, I see no reason not to take a chance on him. 12 is probably a little bit iffier, but in 15-team leagues specifically – uh, I really, really, really like James Wooden. He could very well, if he makes that team, if he's playing fairly regularly, let's say even if it comes in May, like let's say he doesn't start right off, but he's you know raking in AAA and they bring him up, 
he could very well work himself uh, into 12-team value. I, I could definitely see it happening. Let's mention uh, Jose Barrios here. He had a pretty solid start to his spring. Two innings pitched, he allowed two hits, uh, did not allow an earned run, struck out one, and did not walk a batter, 28% CSW. It was a partial Phillies lineup. Uh, they did not have Harper, Schwarber, Castellanos. Trey Turner was in the lineup. Uh, but either way, it was encouraging to see him get off on the right foot. He's being drafted as like an SP4. Uh, I've drafted him a few times over the course of the of the draft season, just as kind of like a stabilizer. He's nothing too sexy, but he's probably going to throw like 180 innings, sub-4 ERA. There's a lot of value in that. You know, people are always looking for like, oh, this guy might shoot up and he might end up being the next big thing or whatever. In every single pocket of picks, pretty much, in any draft at any site, there's going to be a guy that people have some kind of hope of. Whether it's a Cole Reagans or a Scooble or even guys of you know lesser like you know Christopher Sanchez is a, is a guy lower lower down who's kind of in a similar range, a little bit lower than Barrios, but honestly the way that Sanchez is going up, he's going to be in a pretty similar range to Barrios pretty soon. Sanchez is a lot more of an unknown as much as I like him, um, and again th- there is a bit of a difference in terms of draft price, but you know shooting for that upside versus somebody that we know is just pretty stable year in and year out like Barrios. Uh, I, I think that he's somebody that should be on a lot of your teams. Like, honestly, he had the one bad year. Other than that, it's like seven good years and one bad year. And I think that he's honestly somebody who is one of the more reliable picks you could make there in the, you know, 150 to one, you know, 180, 200 type of range. That's where he's generally going to be going. Um, and, and I really like him. He's somebody I've drafted a few times this year. Jackson Holiday uh, had a couple of hits, and he was at the top of the lineup for the second consecutive game. Now, I'm betting that he's going to be the opening day second baseman for the Orioles um, and that his price is going to start to go up pretty steadily. I don't see a reason why they wouldn't start him, especially you know, considering the way he has performed. They're batting him at the top of the order. I don't think he's going to be a top of the order bat come the regular season. Like that's Those spots are going to be occupied, in my mind, by Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, and I think Cedric Mullins is going to be in that mix as well. Jackson Holiday is not going to be there, but he's somebody that's probably going to be, you know, starting off six or seven or maybe eight and could very well work his way up to like the fifth spot in the lineup uh, fairly soon. And again, maybe he starts the year in AAA, but he's not somebody who they're going to keep down for long. Like he is just so, so talented. He's going to be in the major leagues at like the absolute, absolute latest would be May 1st. And if it even took that long, I'd be so shocked. I do think he will be the opening day second baseman based on everything that we're seeing. Um, but like, if you do have to wait on him, it will not be for long. He is somebody that is going to shoot up draft. His price is going to skyrocket. If you want to get in on him, get in now. Just just remember what happened with Anthony Volpe last year. He looked good in spring. We know we knew he was going to be on the team, and he was being drafted like specifically in some NFBC leagues. Volpe went in like the fourth round, like at fifteen team leagues. He was going in like the fifties in some leagues. Generally, it was like eighties, nineties. But it was absolutely absurd. And Volpe it was not nearly the type of prospect that Jackson Holiday is. Jackson Holiday hits a couple of big home runs over the next couple of weeks, like as he is likely to do. There are gonna be people, especially like, oh my god, if the Orioles say that he's made the team, like those those prices are gonna be you're gonna see him in the fourth, fifth round in some drafts if he makes the team. So if you do want in on Jackson Holiday, and this was like the benefit of drafting early, I've been drafting since October. I have a couple of holiday shares. But they're like pick 230, 220-ish. I don't I think the earliest I've drafted him is maybe like 190. That's not gonna be the case. It's already not really the case. In TGFBI drafts, he's going like 160, 170 kind of range. 
like he's not going to be cheap. If you want in on Jackson Holiday, I would get in now. Garrett Whitlock had another really solid start. Three innings pitched, he allowed three hits, struck out six, uh, one earned run, and he did not walk a batter. Most people don't project him as a starting pitcher in Boston. I think he's going to start more than we expect. He, they, they're letting him start in spring training games, which I know is not you know indicative of that much, but I think it's something. You know, I think he is going to be somebody either even if he's not a regular starter throughout the year. I think he's probably not going to be like a thirty start type of guy. But I think he's somebody that will probably start close to 20 games. You know, every rotation has a bunch of injuries. There's a chance that guys don't pan out in that rotation in Boston. It's not exactly, um, you know, we mentioned it earlier. I used the phrase flush with talent. They're not exactly flush with talent in the Red Sox rotation. Um, I think there's a good chance that Whitlock starts a lot of games for them, and we've seen him be effective as a reliever, even if he doesn't. So I do think that he is somebody that makes sense as a dart throw at the end of drafts. I really like him. Uh, even in 12-teamers, I think that he can have some value, specifically if it's like a Roto 12-teamer where the rosters are a bit deeper. Head-to-head's a little bit trickier, but I do really, really like Garrett Whitlock. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. Jung-Hoo Lee, uh, he hit an impressive home run, uh, and we're going to talk about him because he was one of the most added players on Yahoo. We're going to mention him later on. Um, It was 109.7 miles per hour, 418 feet. Uh, some systems don't even have him projected for 10 home runs, some uh, different projection systems. He hit 23 uh, in 2022 in Korea, which was his last full season. Last year, he played about half the year. He did miss time. I think there's maybe a bit more pop than we're giving him credit for. A lot of people are comparing him to uh, Stephen Kwan, but Kwan's like a like capped, capped at 10 home runs. Absolutely capped. I think Lee, especially, like, it might take him a couple years to fully adjust to Major League Pitching, but, I mean, he's a guy that could potentially be a 15, 17 home run guy over the course of a couple seasons. Right now, he's probably, at best case scenario, like 13, 14 home runs if everything goes right. San Francisco in that park, not going to do him any favors. But I think that a lot of people are saying he's like a six, seven, eight home run guy. I think there's a little bit more there. So if you are drafting him, I think there's a little bit more upside than people are maybe uh, giving him credit for. He's he's a pretty interesting target considering where he's going. Uh, I want to mention Jose Miranda. I think that we might have given up on him a little bit too early. He was close to a top 100 pick last year. It was obviously not a good season for him in 2023. Um, everybody knows this, but now he's going in like the six or 700 range. That kind of fall off is kind of crazy. Like, yes, there's not a direct path to playing time immediately, um, but he's looked pretty good in spring and he could surprise us. Like he's not somebody that you're drafting in your standard size leagues. Don't get me wrong. There's just no need for it, but he's definitely a strong watch list candidate. There could be injuries that happen in Minnesota and he could be somebody that is called upon to to be a starter and we have seen him you know produce at the major league level at a very young age already he's not somebody that we should be uh giving up on like he again not somebody to be targeting necessarily in your drafts but also not somebody to just do away with either um let's move on to friday's games and talk about louis varland he was excellent against boston absolutely excellent two innings pitched did not allow a hit nowhere in runs four strikeouts one walk and he had a 40 percent csw we also got news that Anthony DiScalfani is behind, and he was the guy that they'd mentioned as being the number five guy in the rotation. With that news, Varland should have a spot. Like a Var- There's no reason for them to not start Louis Varland. It would be ridiculous for them to go any other way at this point, I think. 
As a rookie, he had nearly a 20% strikeout minus walk rate, which is elite number. If you get to 20%, there's not that many pitchers in baseball with a 20% strikeout minus walk rate. He was at 19.1 as a rookie. He had a 381 XFIP, 377 Sierra. Those supporting numbers are really, really good for Louis Varlin. He threw 149 innings pitched last year between AAA and the bigs. Should be able to handle a pretty big workload. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to hypothetically pitch 170, 180 innings. His good team context. They're one of the best teams in the division. They are probably the best team in the division. I think the role is there. The talent should be there. And his ADP in February is past pick 300. So as a flyer with your last round, uh, I really, really think that Louis Varlin does make a lot of sense as somebody to throw a dart at. If he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out. I've mentioned this a lot. Everybody talks about this. Those last few rounds, most of them are drops. There's a chance that Varlin could stick in a rotation where he is. Again, I know the divisions are more, uh, I should say the schedules are more balanced than they used to be. You're not facing your opponents in your division half the time like you used to. It's about a third of the time. But you're still going to be getting those poor teams that he's going to be going up against more often than he's going to be facing teams in the American League East. Um, it's just a fact. It's not something that is as much of a factor as it used to be, but it's still something to note. Uh, there's a lot to like. From every angle, I really like Louis Varland as a late dart throw this year. Luis Severino uh, had a pretty encouraging outing against St. Louis. Two innings pitched, no runs, no hits, struck out one, uh, did not walk a batter. He had a 23% CSW, but on the low side. Uh, my timeline on Twitter was absolutely packed probably yours was as well with people who are really excited about him bouncing back i am not going to be jumping in with both feet to luis severino um we need to see a lot more from him before i'm really ready to to be that interested he has been excellent in the past when healthy but it's also been a long time since he started 20 or more games that was 2018 the last time he started 20-plus games in the season. And I don't think he's the same pitcher as he was in 2018. Uh, he doesn't strike out batters like he used to. He allows a lot of home runs. I, I need to see a lot from him in spring training for me to really be that interested in him. He's right at the back end of my top 100 starting pitchers. He's like 98 or 97. And I've seen some people put him up in like the 50s, the 60s. I understand like the talent was there. I just don't know that it necessarily is anymore. And I, I just can't can't get invested in him unless we see you know re- repeated great performances throughout the spring right now uh, i'm still out on luis severino kenta Maena had pretty good results um there were some questions below the surface though so two innings pitched two hits allowed no earned runs two k's and no walks that's good 33 percent csw that is really good um his velo was down across the board though almost two miles an hour on his fastball his spin rates were down almost 7% as well uh, across his arsenal. I know it's early in spring, first outing, whatever. It's not great. It's kind of drastic to see. Like, a lot of pitchers are kind of about where they've been, um, you know, maybe a percent or two up or down in terms of spin rates and velocity. But to be, you know, two miles an hour, close to about 1.8 miles an hour, uh, down on your fastball, have your spin rates down, it's not what you want to see. Uh, he's a solid option late in drafts, but he does come with a lot of risk. He hasn't pitched a full season since 2019. That is five years ago now. Like, it's crazy to think that's a long time. Uh, pre-pandemic was the last time we saw Maeda pitch a full season. The injuries are a legit concern. The Tigers, you know, the team context is not amazing. Uh, we need to keep a close eye on him and see if this is something that continues. If he is continuously down over the next couple of times out in spring, 
in terms of his velo, in terms of his spin rates, then I'm going to probably be a little bit more concerned than I am right now. As of now, he's fine in the later rounds, but he's not somebody to get your hopes up about. Like I, I think the best case scenario, he's a fine, serviceable back-end starter. We have seen flashes of really great stuff from him in the past, but in terms of like age and injury and, and all the rest of it, there's just not a lot that I really love uh, about Maeda at this point. He's he's definitely worrying. Um, Aaron Nola, my goodness, this one was rough. Um, Frank Stanfield was at the game. He replied to this tweet um, because I shouted him out. There was a stat that we'll mention in a second from Frank, and he said that Nola was not looking good. Uh, the Marlins were making very good contact against Aaron Nola. Three innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs. He did not strike out a batter, did not walk a batter either, and had a 17% CSW, not the start we wanted to see after what we saw last year. Um, so Frank pointed it out on a show that we did. We did an ADP battle with Frank and uh, Chris Welsh, the Welsh. Uh, you may know him as we did it uh, six weeks ago, something like that, a couple months ago. We did an ADP battle, and Aaron Nola was one of the names. I can't remember who he was up against right now. Maybe it was Tariq Skubal, actually. And Frank pointed out, Aaron Nola has a 4.09 ERA over the last three seasons since the start of 2021. It's almost 600 innings pitched with an ERA over four. I think he's pretty safe from an innings pitch, strikeout, and whip point of view. The wins are probably fairly okay, although they have kind of been a question in the past here and there. Um, But the detriment that he can bring to your ERA if he doesn't turn it around, Aaron Ola is being drafted in a lot of cases as your SP1. Understandably so. That's like, you know, it, it makes sense because there is a good track record. There's a lot of innings. He strikes out a lot of batters. He's on a good team. But the detriment that ERA can have as your number one SP, if he's throwing 190 innings like he probably will, that's not not at all something that you want as your number one starting pitcher. So it does come with some risk, and that does need to be pointed out that taking Aaron Ola is not as safe as it might have been in years past, I think in years past, I think there does uh, we do need to point out that uh, you know it's not the safest draft pick, um, Aaron Nola. As much as I do think he will bounce back, and I have him ranked fairly high, I just can't buy into the the notion that he's like a safe pick. I think he can have a very good year, but there's a lot of risk. Like there is definitely a lot of risk, especially if he's your number one starting pitcher. If you've taken like Strider or Gosman or Cole or one of those elite names at the front end, and then Nola's like your second starting pitcher, I'm a little bit more comfortable with that. But even still, um, I I think you know it's it's one start, but I I may knock him down a few spots in my rankings after today's performance. It's pretty ugly stuff, guys. Uh, let's mention Royce Lewis. He had a big home run, almost 110 miles an hour off the bat, 425 feet. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's going to shoot him up a couple rounds or a round, and this is the way it works. And this is not good because the problem here is Royce Lewis, uh, his talent has never been in, in question. We've known for a long time that he is an absolute superstar. Um, the talent is absolutely there. It's just a matter of durability. That's that's all it comes down to. Is he going to play? I said it in my tweet. Is he going to play 30 games or 130? We have no idea. 
So him hitting a home run or him hitting six home runs or him hitting for the cycle or stealing 10 bases in spring training or whatever he'll do, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't move you up or down your rankings one way or another. Um, he is who he is. It's just a matter of is he going to play? And I shouldn't say he is who he is that firmly because, yes, he can. There there can be some variance, of course. Like, he can change who he is. But we know how talented he is. It's not a, It's not the question. It's just a matter of. Will he play a whole season? And that is why he's not going in like the first round. Um, the talent is obviously there. I just, I just don't know if I can buy into the durability. Let's quickly go through the 10 most added players today in Yahoo Fantasy Baseball Leagues. Number one, Paul Skeens. Um, he was hitting 102 miles an hour in his debut yesterday. It's absolutely piss poor garbage that Major League Baseball did not have this game televised. There's no stat cast data on this game. Paul Skeens facing Jackson Holiday. It's just awful bullshit. I could go on a rant. I won't. Um, but he's being picked up a lot because it's you know reported and people were at the game. He was hitting 102 miles an hour. Um, most projections think he'll throw about 55, 60 innings pitch this season. He could exceed it, but we need to kind of temper expectations. He's likely not going to do much for you in your shallow leagues. Like, I understand taking a shot on him in a draft champions, you know, draft and hold type format, in your deep formats, et cetera. Dynasty, obviously. But in a 10-team, 12-team redraft league, I don't want really anything to do with Paul Skeens. Um, If you can, again, stash him on one of those minor league spots, if he's eligible, I'm not even sure if he is, then by all means – um, but if you are going to be using like a starting pitcher spot, if you draft him as like one of your starting pitchers or even on your bench, I think there's way too much risk there. If he gets called up and you want him, go bid on him. Um, but I don't think that he's somebody that is really worth drafting outside of some really deep formats. Yusei Kikuchi is the second most added player today. Uh, he looked good in his spring debut. I've talked about him a lot over the last, like, honestly, whole offseason. Um, he's one of the more appealing late-round starting pitchers. I think it, it makes sense to go ahead and add him. His spring training debut was very good. We've talked about his stuff, his location, his pitching plus numbers all being really excellent last year, and he's still going outside the top 200 picks. Um, I, I I have no problem at all with adding Yusei Kikuchi if you've already drafted or taking a shot on him late um, if you are still waiting to draft like a lot of us are for our home leagues, for a lot of leagues still. Uh, Carlos Estevez. So this is a result of Angels manager Ron Washington declaring Estevez the closer and Robert Stevenson being uncertain for opening day. I think Estevez is a great add if you need saves, if your team is kind of light on saves, you didn't draft closers properly or whatever. Uh, I think that Estevez makes a lot of sense. But just remember, your ratios are probably going to suffer because of it as well. He's not somebody that you're going to be getting like sub-3 ERA um, you know, 1.1 whip out of. It could be like an over four ERA with a 1.4 whip. It will potentially come with like 20, 25 saves, but you got to kind of weigh that if it's worth it for your team or not. Jung Hu Lee is at number four. We mentioned him earlier. This is a result of that big home run that he hit. And again, some people thinking, myself kind of included, that his power is probably not capped at seven or eight home runs. It might be a little bit more. Uh, Hunter Harvey is also being added quite a bit. He is the number five most added player today on Yahoo. Uh, I'm assuming this is being done by people who punted closer and they're kind of hoping for the best. I I still think it's likely to be Kyle Finnegan in the role. But I think, honestly, guys, it's a situation to just avoid altogether. This is a really desperate one. If you are taking the likes of Finnegan and Harvey, eh, you know, it's, it's not... 
it's not going to be looking great for your ratios for your saves. They're just really desperate plays. Try and take care of closer earlier if you can this year. Not to say that you need to take Williams and Hader and use a third and fourth round pick on them. But if you want to use, you know, uh, two picks within the first 10 rounds on your closers and get it taken care of, I think that's probably wise. So you're not going after the type of guy like Hunter Harvey. Uh, AJ Puck, we mentioned him. Whether he's in the rotation or the pen, I think he has some solid upside. He's worth like a last round pick. We mentioned him a few days ago. Um, he threw a couple innings in his first start, three uh, three strikeouts, 35% CSW. Really solid stuff from him. He's shown it as a reliever. If he can show it as a starter, great. If he can't, again, his price, you can just drop him. It's not like he's going in the top 200 picks. Like he's just a last round type of guy. Doesn't work out, doesn't work out, but there is a lot of upside there. Uh, Michael Garcia is number seven on this list. He's an industry darling. Everybody's been talking about him quite a bit on Twitter. If you guys are not on Twitter, Michael Garcia of the Royals. He is somebody that is getting a lot of hype. Um, no surprise to see him getting some love on the Yahoo Fantasy ads. The upside is he gets more than 500 at-bats. He has like 10 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and hits like 270. Um, I think that's pretty damn appealing off the waiver wire and, again, kind of late rounds. He's not probably a last-round pick anymore. Depending on your league, maybe he is still. I know in NFBC leagues, people are kind of hyping him up, and he is being pushed up boards. If you're drafting on Yahoo, ESPN, and those type of sites, then there's a good chance you can still get Michael Garcia fairly later on. Um, and if you're already drafted and he's on the waiver wire, I mean, that's beautiful. That's money. Uh, Jason Dominguez is being added as well. I haven't seen any updates on him. Uh, this is likely people just stashing him until the summer. Um, you know, Zach Waxman pointed out in the comments that Yahoo has just recently designated him as IL. So if you've drafted, then you can put him on your injured list. The Yankees outfield is pretty crowded, and they don't have a set return date for him. I think there are better stashes available. I just don't know if he's somebody that really is worth taking a shot on. If you have the space, I guess, sure, unlimited IL, you know, fill your boots, why not? But I don't know that he's somebody that's going to have a hell of a lot of production uh, coming your way in 2024. I don't know that he's going to be back as soon as we think. We just assume everybody's going to come back now sooner because of Harper. Um, it's just not always the case. It's not always um, what is going to happen. Like we kind of, um, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of a lot of wish casting that's gone on with Jason Dominguez as well. We don't have a full timeline for really anything on him. Um, I, I don't know. I, um, I don't really get it. I, I don't really get it. I know there's a lot of hype around him as a prospect, but even if he does come back and he's fully healthy right now, there's nowhere for him to play. Um, and he's not going to be healthy until like late summer. So if you want to stash him, by all means, stash him. I just don't think it's really going to work out so well. Let's talk about Kyle Harrison. Um, there's reports that he's a new-ish kind of cutter that he had last year a little bit. Um, and San Francisco also just lost Tristan Beck. <clears throat> Meaning Harrison has a bit more job security than he did a few days ago. I don't really change my view on him so much. I like him as, again, kind of like a late-round guy. I think he's fairly secure to have, like, 25 to 30 starts. He had a very good run of it last year when he was called up. I don't know that he's going to be, you know, fully polished yet, <clears throat> and there might be some serious hiccups along the road for Kyle Harrison. But, again, um, I've drafted him a couple times. I have no real problem with with picking him up or with drafting him kind of late. And the number 10 most added player is, again, James Wood, who we have talked about at length. Uh, really like James Wood. 
and um, and what he's done so far in the spring. So again, no no real surprise that he's being added up in a lot of leagues. But that'll do it, guys. That will do it for us and for the week. We'll be back again next week. Pretty soon, we are going to start doing our position previews. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff coming your way, so make sure you are following along here and on Twitter at JoeOrico99. Ethos Fantasy BB is the page where you get all the new updates to our draft guide, and please do check out sportsethos.com. You can get a free look at our whole draft guide setup and see all the different content we have there. And, of course, like I mentioned, the draft tracker and the ADP tracker that I teased a little while back as well will both be coming your way early next week. So make sure you're getting a fantasy pass and checking all of that out. But that'll do it, guys. Until next week, I hope you guys have a great weekend with your drafts. Good luck and all the rest. And we will see you on Monday. 